Welcome to Building Your Unique Training Brand, a podcast series for training industry leaders, marketers, and sales teams looking for better ways to engage corporate learning and development buyers. You'll learn how to build stronger long-term partner relationships, add more value with your marketing and sales approach, and solve the right problems for the right clients. I'm Marcus Schaller, and I'm so happy to have Stephen Shapiro as my guest on the show's premiere episode. Stephen is a Hall of Fame speaker and author of several books, most recently Invisible Solutions, 25 Lenses That Reframe and Help Solve Difficult Business Problems. We talk about how he's built his unique training brand by embracing experimentation, focusing on serving rather than selling, and building long-term relationships with his clients and partners. Stephen Shapiro, thank you so much for coming on the show. You and I have actually done this before on a different show, and I'm so happy to have you on to this one. How are you? Fantastic. Great to be here, and I'm looking forward to a completely new and different conversation from our last one. Totally different. Yes, absolutely. Um, Before we get started, can you share a little bit about specifically what you do um, in the terms of like the types of problems that you solve and how you solve those problems and who, what types of clients you work with to solve those problems? Sure. So the problem I solve is I actually help people solve any problem. And I know that sounds very meta, but that's pretty much what I do is I help organizations create a systematic method for innovation So it's all under the umbrella of innovation. Uh, But what I like about the the concept of problem solving is that not all problems are innovation, but all innovation is some form of a problem or opportunity. And so when you frame it that way, that's really what I do is I help organizations pretty much of any size, the ones who tend to hire me for financial reasons, it would be the larger corporations, but my methodologies and approaches have been used by solopreneurs and others who just want to find a way of growing their business or tackling a challenge that they face personally or professionally. Absolutely. And that's actually how you and I connected um, was the recent book. I think it's been a little over a year now, Invisible Solutions, it came out. And, uh, and funny side story, you and I chatted about this. Uh, another book you had written many years before that, uh, the the uh, the the thing about goal setting. Um, sorry, now it's escaping me. Goal goal free living. Goal free living. Thank you. I had actually read that back in the day and never connected that you were the one that wrote that until you and I had already become friendly. So that was uh, that's how far much that's how much of an influence you had on my life even before I knew that you had that influence. So um, you you're definitely a great model of somebody who can take their own methodologies and their own. Uh, training practice and be able to put that into the world in a way that has a lot of impact on a lot of different types of people. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to definitely have this conversation with you today. Um, you mentioned that your your typical buyer's clients, it could be anybody from the readers of your books. Uh, you do work with your typical enterprise uh, L&D department too. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say that I a reasonable portion of my businesses with uh, the learning and development community, mm-hmm. whether it is doing executive workshops uh, for, for organizations, or it might be uh, in some cases, longer programs where we're doing professional development virtually in person. It's all over the place now, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, a, you know, it's interesting because uh, some people have this thing where, like, I want to be working with the CEO and only the CEO. And I'm like, okay, well, that's nice. And I like to work with CEOs, but I find that the, you know, the, the learning and development folks are the ones who are really tapping into 
the most number of people on a regular basis and have the potential to make some of the biggest impact in an organization. So I love working there. Mm, no, it seems like such a great fit too, because you get to really collaborate with the individual practitioners within the company, right? So you don't just you don't just don't go in there and do a training program. You actually have uh, versions of your offering where where you I, I believe we talked about this last time where you train the trainer in a sense, right? Where you're able to develop those internal resources. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, and and I would actually argue that what I do goes beyond to train the trainer because. Mm. When you train someone, you do a train the trainer, basically you're training someone to deliver training materials. Mm. What I do is a certification, which actually gets people to think the way I think and do what I do. And the distinction for me is for somebody to be able to put on a one hour, one day, two day workshop, that's great and valuable. Mm. But if they can actually think the way I think and actually use that you know, approach that I use to solve any problem. Now they could teach anybody the subtleties, the principles, but really what's what's underneath the surface. And I think sometimes uh, the greatest value from learning isn't in the steps and the methodology. It's mm. one level below it, which is about the mindset. It's about the the thought process. And that to me is where you really start unleashing the, the greatest level of value. Yeah, and that makes me think of uh, not only the book Invisible Solutions, but the the same called or similarly called uh, podcast that you launched. Maybe six months now is about. It seems like around six months. Yeah, out um, there. yeah. And so quite a few episodes already. And that's one of the things I love about listening to that podcast is I feel like that's what's happening as a listener. I'm getting not only the lenses, as people will find out when they read the book, right? There's different different problem solving lenses from which to reframe problems, but also the thinking behind it. So you give great examples, you give great case studies of how these different lenses have been applied. And I think for somebody like myself, that's been what's so helpful in, in me kind of adapting those lenses uh, to my own challenges or challenges for clients that I work with. So are there other things that um, in addition to the podcast and the books that, that you also share, like, you know, webinars or anything like that, that you've been able to, to share those kinds of insights with people? Sure. I mean, there's a whole wide range. I mean, so what, what's, mm. you know, what's interesting is I'm, I'm in a community which would, we would call ourselves speakers, but, you know, mm. giving a keynote speech to me is a, such a small portion of the way you impact people and the way you get people to think. So for example, I have video series. I've got a lot, I mean, I actually have a video book. So people have audio books. I have a video book. I actually mm. stood in front of a green screen teleprompter, read the entire book and had somebody create some amazing production value around it. So you've got a, a you know, multi hour long movie essentially about the book. Uh, so that's another way that we deliver it. We have, um, you know, various other materials, there's tools and templates. We actually have an invisible solutions lens browser, which is a tool that allows you to navigate all the different lenses. We even have a chat bot for invisible solutions that we're in the process of developing. So we're always looking at what's the problem that someone has mm. and then try to figure out how can we create a product or service that will help them solve that problem in the fastest way. So we're always trying to innovate the way we help people innovate. Yeah, no, and, and it brings to mind also very recently, you've also adapted, uh, well, I should say you're, you're republishing, quote unquote, your goal-free living book as an audio book, and you're integrating it into the Invisible Solutions podcast. But what I like about it, in addition to being a fan of the book, obviously, is the fact that you're then combining it, layering over the, the lenses aspect to the goal-free living. Um, and it's just another example of, of ways that I've seen you 
be able to take like your example of the the video book right you know the taking invisible solutions and delivering it in this completely different way and i can't say that i've seen many other people doing this kind of like and really willing to experiment with different ways to serve their audience and to and to repurpose their content. Well, and I love your word experiment. I mean, I think, you know, for me, that's really the key is I like trying a lot of different concepts. Mm. I try to keep the investments relatively low when possible so that mm. if it doesn't take off, it's not like we've lost a lot of money. Uh, but everything's an experiment. I don't know what's gonna work. I mean, I, I, I launch a podcast. That's an experiment. I'm going to stick with it because I know it takes a while for it to, you know, get some traction. Uh, but you know, it's it's been serving its purpose even just the six months. Same thing with books. You just never know. I mean, you write a book. Is it the book people want? Does it actually interest people? Uh, so that's that's really I love that word experiment because I think that's the the key with a lot of what I do is I just try things out, you know, and I'm hoping that I can try it out in a cost effective way that uh, will produce some results. And, and it seems like it is. And, and there's some things that, uh, like you said, you, your investment in it isn't, you know, a make or break situation. So you get to play around with different ideas. And it, and it brings me to an, another thing I want to dive into with you was, you know, how training companies, training brands reach their clients. So let's say that's a, you know, a corporate L&D department or, you know, even just specific uh departments, sales, sales managers, and they want to be able to do sales training, whatever it is, and how important content is to that now. You know, we, as marketers, we just call it content marketing, right? But learning and development and training seem to be like that, that is the bread and butter, right? For how to get out to people. And I, in, in my exploration of the industry, I've seen a lot of content marketing, um, some of it pretty innovative, but I've also seen examples that really remind me of back in the day when everything was still kind of siloed behind a wall. Like it was, there was still a little bit of fear of giving too much away. And it's obvious of what side of that equation you fall on. You're pretty generous with your, with your knowledge, but can you tell me a little bit about, you know, your perspective on how all this stuff fits together with the ultimate goal, which might be just to build an audience and to and to continue to grow your client base and, and create opportunities for your company. Yeah, so I think for me, the key is that I focus on serving rather than selling. Mm. So that if I can provide something that's going to create value for someone, mm. then, you know, hopefully at some point they'll say, I want more of that. In fact, there's, there's just so many times in the past when I've seen, like when I was in consulting, we had these databases and people like, oh, we need to sell this database for a billion dollars because it's like, got this so much, you know, all these best practices. Well, you know, my thoughts of best practices anyway. <laughs> yes, I think we stupid, can get into but, that, yeah. <laughs> but so, and I just remember like, no, we can't give this away. We can't give this away. We can't, you know, we got to sell it for a lot of money or we shouldn't even sell it because it's like so proprietary. And then it's like, give it away. Yeah. Give it away. Because when yeah. people look at that, they're going to say, if this is what they give us for free, mm. can you possibly imagine what they're able to deliver for a fee? Yeah. And so that's why I, I, I really don't hesitate in giving away pretty much anything. Um, you know, obviously there's certain restrictions in terms of giving away con like entire books. So I don't give away the whole book, but I do give away a lot of the content from the book. I give away all 25 lenses. I give away videos on how to use the lenses. Uh, so I give away all that 
on the podcast. We're talking about the methodology each and every week. Uh, as you said, it's actually best practices are stupid is the one yes. where I got the rights back. So I was going to actually say, mention that because I realized when you said best practices are stupid that I got the wrong book, but Hey, you know, we can always edit this. <laughs> well, no, and, but I've also talked about uh, goal-free living in other episodes. So got I do it. sort there of leave go. my content. So, it, so you're right. I have been yeah. talking about goal-free living content. Uh, but when I got the rights back to best practices are stupid, mm. I was thinking I'll create an audiobook. I'll make some money off of it. And I realized, mm. no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give it away. Now people are going to have to be patient because there's 40 chapters in that book and I'm releasing mm. it every other week. So it's going to take 80 weeks to get everything. But here's the cool thing is when I'm done with those 80 weeks of recording, I now have the audiobook already recorded, ready to sell if I want. If somebody says, I don't want to have to sort through the podcast, I now have the product. Well, I've created a product as part of my regular offering. So I just, I like to give things yeah. away. And again, I'm never going to make a lot of money off of books or audiobooks. That's not my business. So if I can articulate a methodology that helps somebody solve any problem in a book and mm -hmm. they can do it, what it gets them thinking is, well, what would happen if I hired him? What could mm -hmm. we do that we couldn't do otherwise? And that's, that's what gets me excited is really tackling the bigger problems that people just are really stuck on trying to solve. Yeah. And, and it seems like nowadays in 2021, um, compared to, you know, I, I started in marketing almost 20 years ago and, and, you know, there wasn't anything we really called content marketing back there. We certainly did not have the tools we have today, but um, it's so much easier technically to share knowledge today, right? Now the challenge becomes there's so much content out there as it becomes a, how do you get above the noise? And one of the things that I love so much about your approach, everything from the color of your brand, which is very much purple, at least with the book and your personal style, right? Um, to invisible solutions as a name, to the lenses, to just the way you focus is such a great um, example for other training brands if they're looking for ways like how are we really going to get above this noise? Because again, in, in researching training companies, you see so much of very, very similar messaging, very, very similar um, you know, use cases, very similar value propositions. And uh, one thing it brought up is recently you you launched actually another endeavor and it's related to all these things but it's uh, the problem solving institute that was about four months ago if i'm correct right and i was hoping you could share a little bit about that story what made you think of doing that how that's going and and what the what the vision for that is sure so i launched actually the first incarnation of the problem solving institute over a year ago when COVID started mm. so what happened was i had a conversation with one of my clients, actually, I just, I just sent her an email and say, Hey, just checking in, want to see how you're doing. I know these are crazy times. If I can help, let me know. Mm. And she wrote back almost immediately saying your lenses can help. Mm. How can we learn more about the lenses? And I thought about it. I said, I'll tell you what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite nine of my favorite clients, C-level executives, top executives in nine different companies, non-competitive. And we'll just do monthly calls, monthly mm. zoom calls, no charge, because I just want to help want to serve. And that was the first version of the problem solving Institute. And once I started testing that out, I thought, well, this would be a great thing to bring internally to companies. How can we create this level of mastery inside of an organization? Mm -hmm. So it's actually now called the invisible solutions Institute. I decided to rebrand once again, so that everything is consistent. Uh, but that's, that's where it all started was actually just serving someone serving some of my clients. And what's great is that, you know, you, you, you give people 
and you demonstrate and they come back and say, oh, you know what? I need help with this or I need help with that. Come to my organization. And I didn't do it from a perspective of, I want to sell, I'm, I'm doing this in order to sell something. I really was trying to serve, but I find that every time I try to serve, people see value in it and they want more of it. Yeah, and it's very much the way I approach marketing and selling uh, as much as I can, right? Because, you know, if I'm doing freelancing work in the past, whatever, there's a limit to what, you know, certain people in certain industries can share, right? You know, training is such a perfect fit for that mindset that you just mentioned, though, right? Because it's all about insights. It's all about vision. It's all about helping expand people's um, vision for what's possible, even. And, and one thing I did want to uh, explore with that too is you mentioned a little bit about with the Problem Solving Institute now called the Invisible Solutions Institute. Is that right? Correct. Okay, yes. got it. So, um, and how you're able to use that, uh, or, or, or when you're when you're creating content, when you're when you're focusing first on serving, how that's impacted your ability to build on existing relationships, right? So you have you know, ways that you're connecting with new potential clients, or maybe just people that buy the book or just enjoy the podcast. But when it comes to people that you've already interacted with, are there suggestions, you know, recommendations you can share of how to use all this kind of giving focus to really build on these partnerships and client relationships over the long term? Well, and I think that's the key. And it's been a huge shift I've made over the years, which is in the past, you know, I've always believed that you want to grow your network. That's mm. like, that's the, the marketing mantra, grow your network, get a big list. You know, it's mm. all about numbers and use social media and email marketing. And look, do I do those things? Yes, but they're not in the forefront of my mind. They're in the background. Mm. So what's in the front of my mind is the fact that over the past 20 years, I've had my own business for 20 years now, 80 to 85% of my income has been derived from past relationships in some form or another, either it's mm. a past client, somebody who's in the audience from a speech, uh, speakers, bureaus that have done work with in the past, somebody who got a recommendation from someone else. That's almost all of my business. And I thought, why am I trying to constantly grow my network when I should nurture my network? And so mm. what I've really been doing in 2021 in particular is saying, how can I reach out to my, you know, the people who hopefully have some understanding of who I am, see the value in what I deliver, and just how figure out ways to serve them. So for example, I have a database of all my past clients and I've just been, you know, offering the book to people mm -hmm. who want it. No, no expectations other than say, hey, we may not have talked in some cases 10 years. Yeah. Because I've done a terrible job of staying in touch with people. And, it, <laughs> and again, this doesn't come from the perspective of I'm doing this to sell. Mm. I really am doing this because I've had like Zoom calls with uh, people that have done work with in the past who are not in a position to hire me for any reason at all, but it's been so wonderful to reconnect with them and hear their stories and hear about their journey. Mm -hmm. And it's been inspiring. And so that's, to me, it's, it's like going on, it is goal-free living in some respects, because I'm not doing this with the goal of selling it, yeah. of selling anything. I'm just doing it because I'm on this journey to serve and meet and connect and uh, build deeper relationships rather than a lot of, you know, transactional relationships, which might've been my past business model. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you mentioned selling, you know, and, and I think this is something that is worth exploring a little bit too, as far as what the concept even means, because I see that um, with so many people, 
especially in, in a service oriented role, you know, consultants, whatever it is, it's, it's sometimes difficult to wrap our heads around what selling actually is, right? So, you know, when you think about what you do with, with creating value, with serving, I have a philosophy of what selling is. I have a philosophy. My philosophy is basically that selling is about aligning with what other people need and figuring out how to help them get it, which isn't by itself groundbreaking, right? But that I, as a sales professional or a marketing professional, it's my responsibility to initiate that, to, to foster it, to, to nurture it. And that's kind of like in my own head, how I'm interpreting for myself, your message and the way I do things is, you know, when we think about selling, it's like selling, if we think about it in the terms of the worst practitioners, you know, so all the cliches of all the worst experiences where you've ever had being on the, on the receiving end of a bad sales pitch. If selling is framed as, you know, my job is to serve, my job is to be responsible for that relationship. I'm not waiting for somebody to come to me. I'm the one initiating it. And it's my responsibility to share all this value with them that I think that maybe somebody listening who has a tricky relationship with the term selling can maybe become a little bit more comfortable with it. And they can say, oh, it's not about pushing anything. It's not about forcing anything, right? It's about alignment and understand that, that this might not be a problem, right? So it, are there times, and I'm sure there are, but can, you know, are there instances where you've spoken to a potential client and you see that they just don't have that particular problem or there's times that they're just not a good fit for you and, and, and how you kind of uh, work from there? Sure. So I, I want to come back to something you said, though, because as you were describing the, the approach to selling, the two words that came to my mind was push versus pull. Mm. You know, and I think most people are pushy salespeople. Mm. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is they're assuming their job is to close the deal, which means mm. that I'm now trying to coerce someone else, influence someone else to mm. be able to make a particular decision that I want them to make, as opposed to a pull approach would basically say, if I give them enough information, content, call it whatever you want, mm. for them to be able to resonate with my message and align with what I offer, then they're going to have a desire. They're going to have a pull. They're going to reach to me. I've almost, I can't, it's very, very rare that I would reach out and say, hey, do you want to have a conversation around me giving a speech? Mm. Now, I hired somebody several years ago to do outbound marketing like that, and it was terrible. It doesn't work. Yeah. And, and it wasn't even aligned with who I was. I didn't feel good about it in some respects because I don't want to be trying to sell. Yeah. I want to get people to the point where they start to see he can actually help me achieve something that I want. I want them to have the light bulb moment mm -hmm. of the pain that they mm -hmm. have or the opportunity that they see is something that I can bring to them. And if I can't, I don't want to be working with them, not because I, I don't want to work with people, but yeah. I don't want to work with people where I can't really serve because if I'm going to close a sale, I better well serve them at a much higher level once they're paying me. Yeah. And so coming back to your second question, or I'm not even sure it was a question, but the, the second point was I will only do work when I know I can knock it out of the park. And mm -hmm. if I'm not the right person, the worst thing I could do is take something on and have it be a failure because people talk especially now with social media, you just don't want to do something where people are saying things negative. And 
Is everybody going to love what I do? No, my goal is not to be loved or liked. My goal is to make an impact. And sometimes in making an impact, it might not be the way somebody necessarily gets pleasure from it. Like a lot of speakers, they measure their success as a standing ovation. Mm. They measure their success as I got five out of five on the, on the, <sighs> the score sheets. My measure of success has nothing to do with that. No standing ovation. People gave me a three out of five, doesn't matter. But if they apply my concepts mm. and the company can come back to me in a year's time and say, we generated $10 million of new product revenue or new service revenue that we would have missed because of this, mm. I don't, you can give me a one out of five and I don't care <laughs> yeah. if you're getting those types of results. Because it's all ultimately what comes down to you. And this is where the tactical part of selling too is so important um, where when you do have the pull has worked, right? Somebody's now in a conversation with you. Um, the importance of asking good questions and listening, right? We are in a listening business first uh, and, and understanding, seek first to understand, right? And for, again, anybody who's, who's on the fence about where, you know, where this lands, you know, is selling something, it's marketing bad, you know, I, should, I shouldn't have to sell what we do. Selling doesn't have to be that push. It doesn't have to be pushy. It can be as simple as asking really insightful questions and then being completely present and listening. And, uh, you know, I've talked to you, spoken with you enough times to know that you are quite a good listener. And uh, any tips you can share with, with people that are like, you know, just on the, on the ground level, like how, how you approach that kind of meeting with somebody. So listening is certainly a huge part of it, not mm. talking and pontificating, which a lot of experts like to do. Mm. Uh, and I think it really comes down to asking questions about people's pains or aspirations. You know, so it's even a, you know, if I'm having a conversation with an executive, it might be as simple as, you know, what kinds of problems keep you up at night? What are you concerned about for the future of the business? And then I just stop talking and they're going to share what they share. And again, I'm not going to jump in and say, oh, I can solve that. I can solve that. No, it's like, okay, yeah. well, you know, what would be possible if you could actually solve that problem? Like, what do you see for the business? And it's, again, it's not trying to be manipulative at all. But the mm. thing that I know is people in selling, you know, you need to have three components. You need to have credibility, empathy, and logic. And the logic part, the solution, the answer is where a lot of salespeople start. But that should be the end. That's not where you start. You don't start with, hey, I've got this thing mm. that's going to help you solve a problem. I don't even know what you have. No, you start with, okay, I have some credibility. I've been doing this for 25 years. I, I have a sense, you know, I led this 20,000 person practice. Great. I've got some credibility. Now, when you listen to me, you'll at least take me seriously. Now it's got to be that empathy. I need to connect with them at a deeper level emotionally. What, what keeps them up at night? What are their pains? What are their goals, their aspirations? And really get them to see the power of being able to stand in that possibility of the future. And then, if it's appropriate, then I'll start a conversation around how I might be able to move them in that direction. But in most cases, they were already talking because they are already interested in something I have to offer. So it, it doesn't even, in most cases, I don't have to say anything because they're going to ask me, so now that you know this, how can you help? It's like, well, let me provide a few thoughts. And then I don't yeah. provide a canned answer. It's very specific to what they say. And so you're right. It is listening and it's about empathy and it's not about logic and it's not about solutions and it's not about answers. It's all about questions. Yeah. And it's remarkably easier 
than people might think when you're approaching it from that angle, because all the pressure that we would put on ourselves as entrepreneurs or salespeople, whatever it is, our role, the, to say the perfect thing and what can I say to make them want to, it's all you to throw it out the window because it's not on us to make that happen. It's on us to figure out where we fit, right? And, and um, I think it's such a uh, an important lesson for anybody in the business of training because anybody that does this for a living does it because they care passionately about the problems they solve, right? And that can easily turn into verbal, you know, just overwhelming people with this is all the stuff we know, and it becomes counter uh, counterproductive. Um, I wanted to give us a chance to wrap up and just get get your thoughts of any kind of um, last last minute uh, advice you would give to people leading a training company, people that are in the sales marketing role in a training company, of how to really build a unique brand for themselves? So I think, uh, first of all, to recognize that if what you offer is not differentiated, so I'm a big believer in differentiation. I, As you know, I talk about that a fair amount, which is how do you stand out in a crowded market? You can differentiate in a number of ways. Look, a, a training company, somebody who's in learning and development should be focused on uh, differentiation of not just content, but content delivery. It's like everything. You have to look at every aspect of it. And that to me is the, the first piece. So that's not a sales conversation, but that's an offering conversation. And you have to differentiate your offering in a way that people were going to say, yes, I can relate to this. I want this. It solves my problem in a way that I want it solved. Mm. Because solving a problem in a way that somebody's not interested in engaging isn't going to be valuable. So they have to have both the interest in the result that you produce as well as interest in the process that you're going to take them through. So I think a lot about the ways that I deliver my content, making it more accessible, making it simpler, and actually making it more uh, at, a, at a deeper level. So a lot of times in training, we teach methodologies and tools and steps, but I actually wanna to get to principles. Mm. And, you know, I sort of equated, this is a metaphor I used 25 years ago is uh, when we were developing a program when I was at Accenture around principles. And the reason why I want to use principles is if you're uh, learning to cook, you might start with the cookbook. You might get the big cookbook out or now you go, you know, Google a recipe and then you say, okay, two cups of this, one cup of that, cook for five minutes, da, da, da. And at the end of the day, you've learned how to make one meal. Mm. But what you really want to do is understand the principles behind it. What goes with what? You blend this with that. And, and I'm, I'm not good at that. So I need the recipe. <laughs> yeah, Let's be clear too. here. That's not me. But, you know, the people who want to be really good at something, you know, if you go to, my, my guess is if you went to a, a school to become a chef, they don't say, okay, we're going to teach you five different recipes today. No, they teach you how to blend things together so that you can now create and invent mm. your own recipes. And I think that's mm -hmm. really the power of a, a good learning and development environment, a good training environment is not about steps, but it's about principles. And if we can teach people those, those principles, then we really start to stand out because now it gains traction. Uh, and then I, I think we talked a lot about just the marketing side of things. Look, give it away, engage with people, build relationships and recognize that your best advocates are going to be people you've already done business with rather than trying to convince and convert people who are not your fans already. 
Absolutely. And, and uh, you, you've been very generous with the first principles, with teaching those principles, and you've definitely had a huge impact on me, even if sometimes I can't remember exactly the title of the book from 10 years ago. But uh, it, it's really, it's been a pleasure uh, continuing getting to know you and continuing to be the beneficiary of, of just all your, your knowledge and experience. And I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, where can people find you? Where should we send people to, to learn more about you? So you can go to my website, which is steveshapiro.com. Or if you want a shortcut to get the lenses that we were talking about, go to getthelenses.com. And that'll take you right to a page where you can download the lenses, download videos, templates, tools, and all of that's completely free. Thanks to Steven Shapiro for being on the show. And thanks to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll consider leaving a rating and sharing it with a friend.